This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. Welcome back to another Speak Sunderland Reaction podcast. It is Sunday once again with Sunderland in action at three o'clock yesterday afternoon at home to Wigan Athletic, which was Lee Johnson's first game in charge after being appointed just two hours prior to kick-off. A game that did end 1-0 to Wigan to start his tenure with a defeat. Joining me tonight is Michael and John. Um, you know, Aside from another depressing 105 minutes as a Sunderland fan, how are you getting up? Can't, yeah, can't complain, doing all right. Also joining us to discuss the game from a Wigan perspective is Kai. How are you getting on, mate? You well? I'm, I'm, I'm brilliant. It's nice to finally have um, a good result after a couple yeah. of months. Remind Very me, good. what does it feel like to have a talk about a good result? <laughs> um, honestly, I, I, I couldn't tell you. Um, I'm still trying to process it. Um, it it's gotten to a point where it's, I'm so surprised that I, I barely celebrated the goal or full-timer because I couldn't believe it that much. Yeah, I was convinced, convinced when five minutes of added time came up, oh, God, like, how are they going to score here? Yeah, I know that feeling very well. But obviously, as a Wigan fan, I imagine football has been very tough for you, especially over the past year or two. Um, obviously, the points deduction last year that ultimately led to the relegation from from the Championship Um bottom of the league so far this season with what well, I believe a takeover's just failed. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but I know there is another one that seems to be in the pipeline. But just briefly, what is it like being a Wigan fan right now with all the uncertainty? Well, if there's one thing I'd have to say about being being a Wigan fan overall is um, we never make it easy. Like, what one one normal day at Wigan is, is all we would ask for, but it never happens. Um Last season, we were on course for our first ever like mid-table finish in the last five or six years after yeah. battling relegation. It, we'd either been battling relegation and either getting relegated or just surviving or getting promoted and winning leagues. So that mm. was on track to be our first mid-table season. Finally, a bit of normality. And then administration, yeah. points deduction and a relegation in the most heartbreaking fashion. It, it's never dull, I'll tell you that. Yeah. And Michael, um, obviously Lee Johnson was appointed yesterday, um, two hours before kickoff. Um, but he still took charge of the side. Were you surprised to see him jump straight in at the deep end yesterday? Yeah, I was. Um, but fair play to him, though. One of the words he used in his interview was bold, and he's very—he's definitely very bold in um, getting himself right into the right into the mix when he's only—he'd only been officially appointed what two hours, something like that, yeah. two hours before kickoff. So might have even been less. Wouldn't surprise me. So you know what? He's already showed. He's already showed more bravery than what Parkinson did. So yeah, fair play to him. Yeah. And John, what did you make of the appointment? Do you think it's a one that you could fully get behind? Uh, yeah, I think so. With the the new setup, um, and if you listen to his his uh, post match uh, comments, they're actually quite refreshing, despite how poor the yeah. game was. Um, obviously, we straight away he's recognised that we need a bit of pace and power, which. You know, he's only recognised that after 90 minutes, whereas we've been crying out for that for probably a few years. So I think it's quite 
quite refreshing and he's he's quite bullish as well. So I think that's what we need. But he's got a hell of a lot of work to do, as as we yeah. saw yesterday. Yeah. Well, yesterday's defeat now means Sunderland are winless in six. Um, and I believe it's two wins from the last 11. Um, it may be 10, I'm not entirely sure. But either way, it's a, it's a poor run of form, to say the least. But, Michael, you know, how important is it, especially given the busy schedule that, that's upon us now, that Lee Johnson gets the team playing the way he wants it to be playing? Well, it's uh, it's vital. Um, well, it's the season's... Well, put it this way, I was very flat after yesterday's game. Uh, and I'm sure Wigan fans won't, won't care about it, and nor should they. Um, for me, the squad we had should have been good enough to win. But at the same time, it, you've got a busy month of games coming up. You've got to dust yourselves down. We've obviously got the Oldham game in the Pizza Trophy on in midweek. <laughs> Use that as a chance to freshen things up and, and get get players used to the system and get players used to the way <clears> Johnson <throat> wants to play. And then you've got Lincoln at the weekend, which if you want to have any hope of trying to go up, you've got to win it. No excuses. Yeah. And that's one thing I'll never miss from this league is talking about the Papa John's or the, or the Peter Trophy, as you referred it to. Get stuffed crust with it. Why not? <laughs> we will look at the teams that started the game yesterday and of course we will start with Wigan um, Jamie Jones started in goal Tom Pierce, Tom James Adam Long, Curtis Tilt who is a name that will be quite familiar amongst some Sunderland fans, obviously he was linked with a, with a move to the club in the summer but he did join Wigan uh, Dan Garner Thilo Asgard, Kai Naismith Alex Perry, Lee Evans and all that is not the comedian and Kyle Joseph started up front for Wigan. Kai, was there any inclusions in yesterday's side for Wigan that surprised you? Ah, well, um, if you would have told me this time last year that the likes of Kyle Joseph, Theo Asgard and uh, Adam Long would be starting in the first team for Wigan, not only would I have said fantastic good on them, but I would have also laughed at you. I would have said no chance. Um, But, you know... Uh, I, you say what surprises you. It's not a surprise anymore. After the amount of games we've had, we're having to start these players who, in case you don't know, this these are their first professional games. Yeah, uh, They've come up from the Youth Academy, which our Youth Academy is fantastic. Um, and they, they're doing us proud every game. They're playing, playing their hearts out, running all over the pitch. You know, Carl Joseph ran a bloody half marathon yesterday. <laughs> That's on the pitch. Covered every blade of grass and got the goal for it. His first professional goal. Um, and you look at Adam Long, centre-back, 18, 19 years of age, getting one of his first clean sheets. And mm. at, at a stadium like the Stadium of Light against a team like Sunderland, you have to give them all the credit and then just say, wow, fantastic. You know, they'll be straight on, straight home to their parents, straight on the phone to their mums and dads, saying, look, I've, I've just done it. You know, I've made it. This, yeah. this is how it is. And it's a great um, reflection on them on the club as a whole, even in its darkest days, it's, it's academy is still a bright, shining light. So I'm very, I'm very happy about the result, obviously, but even more so given the circumstances and given some of the players that were on the pitch. Yeah. And John, just briefly, you, like I said there, you look at the Wigan team, it is full of youth and they've went out yesterday and have won the game and ultimately, yeah, they are bottom of the league, yeah, they are struggling, but it just goes to show what the youth players can do when they're brought into the side. And, you know, it does make you question even more why Sunderland don't kind of take a similar approach, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Especially, obviously, with the Category 1 um, academy as well. So, these, you know, these players are of, of a good level. Um, I still think they need a lot of direction 
because um, Emelton, obviously, we've been crying out for him to start for a few weeks, and he started, hasn't really done anything. Um, obviously, Hume's still a bit hit and miss with it, and Diamond, Diamond was okay, but didn't really do anything. So mm-hmm. they do need they do need a bit of direction, and mind you, the whole whole team does. But but yeah, from the Wigan perspective, fair play to their kids for doing that. Yeah, and um, we will look at the Sunderland team that started the game, and there was a few changes. Lee Burge obviously came back between the sticks and replacing Memi Matthews, who cost us the game. Um, was it, I'm trying to think it was against now. Was that many games? Was it Burton? What was yeah. Burton, wasn't it? In midweek, Burton, yes. Yeah. Um, Conor McLaughlin started as the right-back in the team. Tom Flanagan and Bailey Wright as the centre-halves and Denver Hume as the left-back. Josh Scoring, Grant Nedbert and Max Power made up the midfield three with Chris Maguire, Will Grigg and a return to the side for the first time in 13 months for Aidan McGeady. Um, and John, like I say, a few changes, Lee Burge back in the side, which was a no-brainer, Grigg up top and Aidan McGeady back in, but we will get on to Aidan just slightly later on, but a change of formation as well, we saw, um, 4-3-3. Do you think that's the way forward for the rest of the season? Um, I think that formation is. I don't think who was who was playing in that system didn't really seem to work. Um, yeah. Even though we were playing obviously three up top, it didn't look like that at all. It was more. It was almost like a four-five-one. Yeah. I mean, four-four-three-three. Three, I could I could live with if it was like how isolated was Greg yesterday. And you know when he when he was getting the ball, he was out wide. And then when yeah. the ball was coming in, there's no one in the box. So four-three-three three is is a good system if we're going to use it and we've got the players to use it but yesterday I don't think I don't think it did work but again it's only it's only Johnson's first game and I wouldn't say it it's on him because obviously Taylor would have set the team up um, yeah. for that so going forward it's definitely the way to go I think but it does need a bit of a uh, bit of change of personnel yeah and Michael as I said there obviously Aid McGeady returned for the first time in mm. in just over 13 months I believe it was how much of a boost is it to have him back in the squad uh, I think it's a pretty big boost for a couple of reasons. One, because I think that despite his age, I think he has got, you can't deny he has got quality about him. And the second reason is because if you look at why him and Parkinson fell out, for me, they fell out and Parkinson ostracised him simply because McGeady's got higher standards than yeah. Parkinson would have wanted to admit to. Yeah. You need someone who's going to have to, and quite frankly, I think the standards of Sunderland's players has dropped considerably in recent weeks. So for mm-hmm. me, McGeady being in that side is a crucial thing. It still, still to this day baffles me that Parkinson didn't try to, uh, try to strike a balance with McGeady. But I, we won't talk about him because I'm, as I'm sure you're all happy he's gone. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, hope, but McGeady being in definitely will will boost the team. There's no, you might as well use him for the next next six months because I I can't see us offering him a new contract in the summer anyway. One possibly yeah. because of his age, and two because if the salary cap's still here and we're still in League One. Which is looking all, yeah, the, exactly, all yeah. which is looking all embarrassingly. He's looking all the more lightly. We're not going to offer him a new contract because his wages will count massively towards the cap. So yeah. use him for the next six months. For me, it makes no sense not to. Mm-hmm. Um, Kai, obviously, Will Grigg and, and Max Power are both former Wigan players, and both players have came in for some heavy criticism from Sunderland fans, especially over yeah. recent months. Um, Will Grigg, especially more so. You know, fans have often criticised Will for being lazy, for not trying, um, being passed as bet. But from his time at Wigan, how would you describe Will Grigg as a player? Oh my goodness. I I don't think there has ever been a better Wigan striker uh, since the days of, um, I don't know, um, 
I've forgotten. But they poor Shana or, um, you yeah. know, uh, pe- people like that back in the days so, that were just banging in goals in the Championship Premiership. Uh, Will Grigg, he, he broke a, a lot of Wigan records, you know, um, the highest goal-scoring season, for, I think, for an individual goal-scorer at, at Wigan. I think he came close to a few others here and there. Um, and up front, even by himself or with another striker, he was fantastic. A poacher, getting in good areas, beating defence with, with... He's not the paciest player, but he'd often beat League One defences very easily. He was always in the right place at the right time. He, he loved getting the ball at his feet. Um, but so, but he could also have a game where he, he hardly got a kick. Take the Man City game in the FA Cup, hardly got a kick yeah. in the game, was given one opportunity, won the game for us. And it was absolute pandemonium. I've never seen anything like it at the DW in, in my time. Mm. Um, and we're all in disbelief at how he is now at Sunderland. And... Um, I think there's a fair bit of criticism from our fans at Sunderland Football Club um, of how they've they've treated him, how they've yeah. used him. Um, it, there was a video not so long ago of the players arriving in the stadium of light, and, and poor Griggy was all by himself with his, yeah. walk, with his head down, looked like he, he he wasn't happy. We all felt so sorry for him. The the fans want to bring him home. The fans didn't want him to leave at the first place, but when you offer four million. Um, for a player who maybe isn't championship quality, you've got to snap it instantly. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, for, for our position in League One, he's one of the best strikers we've ever had. Uh, really a, a cult hero. The song speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, and and if, if it was up to Wigan fans, we'd have him back in an instant. But obviously there's financial things with, with takeover and administration that, mm. you know, make it difficult. And especially Max Power as well. He was another cult, cult favourite at Wigan. Brilliant in the midfield. Um, a real character bring, bring a lot of energy to the changing room I expect um, mm-hmm. and the fact he's, he's captain in Sunderland occasionally I, I think he captained yesterday is not a surprise yeah. to me he's a good lad good player um, brilliant strike on him um, I'm, yeah. I'm quite glad that Lee Evans blocked that one particular shot from him otherwise I, I fear that may have been arrowing in um, but again to see maybe he's with, with Sunderland and maybe not doing as well as he could be is a bit disappointing um, at Wigan, he had a, a period um, where he fell out with the manager and he wanted to move away and he was out of the team for a while. But then, to be fair to him, he came back in, put his head down, did a brilliant job. And um, when he left, no one harboured any ill will towards him because he deserved to move away. Mm-hmm. And just briefly back on Max Power, um, you know, we seem to be playing him in a much more defensive position almost mm. um, alongside Grant Ledbetter as a whole to midfielder. But from some of the performances, um, obviously throughout the two three years he's had at Sunderland, some of his best performances have came almost in an attacking midfield role. Yeah. Um, we look back at the Bristol Rovers game in the Cup, he was playing in front of a midfield two and he played a good ball through to Greg. Um, obviously, second half against Wigan yesterday, he seemed to be playing a lot higher up on the pitch, possibly on the right-hand side as well. But what was his best role at Wigan? Did you see him as a defensive midfielder or was he more of a more of a box-to-box slash attacking midfielder for you? When we were really under the pump in championship games early on um, and it looked like the first season we were in the championship, we might get go down. But um, and in fairness, one, one year we did go down. I think he was in, in the team when we did go down. Um, it, we were really getting battered and really under it and not performing entirely well. So it was difficult to, to see. Um, however, in, in League One, 
we would put him in, in the defensive mid position sometimes. However, we we had more players to cover that, and he'd be mm. all right. But then again, you're up against League One strikers who, in yeah. a, you know, are a step big step down from Championship level, and he'd do all right there. But as you say, putting him in a forward, a more forward position, more attacking position, attacking midfield, centre midfield, he would dictate the play. He would ping passes everywhere brilliantly, and he wasn't afraid to have a pop. He won us a lot of games and won us a lot of points. Uh, by having a shot from distance and it would either be too powerful for the keeper to hold often spilling like they'd catch it but it would spill past them and go over the line um, one, one case I remember is chilling him at home it was a couple of years ago first versus second in the league we were 2-0 down came back and won 3-2 uh, partly because of a goal like that you know it, sometimes it would just fly straight in top corner bomb corner yeah. no chance for the keeper Um but I think regardless of where we played him in League One, he did very well. And in the Championship, if we played him more forward, he would often do well as well. But unfortunately, as we started bringing more players in and you know our focus came more on surviving, other players forced him out of the team. And you know, but like I said, he, he did so well towards the end of his Wigan career that when he left, no one had any ill will towards him. And we yeah. thought, go on, son, you've done well. Michael, what, what's your stance on those two? Um, obviously, Grigg and Power. Like I say, they are two of the most criticised players at the club at the minute. And you know, I think the way to put it is, especially with Grigg, he is becoming somewhat of a scapegoat. I've always been someone who, he could have a terrible game and I'm always trying to find some way to defend him. Because um, he is just a player that I want to see do well. You know, he scored goals in this league regularly. Like Air Kai said for Wigan, he, every season he was scoring goals. When he was at MK Dons, he was scoring goals. He's came here. He's first 12 months of his career, he's played as a target man. Um, you know, he's not a target man. His confidence drops. And as any footballer in the world, when you're low on confidence, you know, your ability is not as good. You don't seem as motivated for the games. But just genuinely, what, what's your opinion on those two players? Well, if I was to start with Max Power, um, I think that Power is someone who I think does get made a scapegoat a lot um, because he's not, well, okay, seemingly because he's not a fancy player. And for me, George, I know that Power and Honeyman aren't the same, maybe aren't the same, you could argue not the same level of quality, different players, different systems, whatever. But I just think that when a player isn't as fancy as what other as some fans would want them to be, um, they tend to get over-criticised, in my opinion. Power, mm-hmm. for me... He tends to do a lot of sideways, backwards passing, which I think is a fault of the system rather than what he's doing. If you look mm-hmm. at the look at Burton just as an example, um, when Sunderland, I mean, I, I only watched the second half, but from what I can remember, when we went forward, and I think we switched formation, if I'm correct, we switched formation mid-game, and Power went and Power, I think, was going for, was to the place further forward. Was, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. And I was going to say, and what happened? He got a goal, um, and you can see even against Bristol Rovers and Rochdale. He had, had shots late on in the game, which one was um, parry onto, but the other smacked the crossbar. He's got a mm-hmm. shot on it. So for me to speak, when people say he doesn't offer anything to the team, I don't think that's entirely true. With Grigg, there's occasions for me where I think his application could, could have been a lot better. But at the same time, when you're not playing him in the system that he's used to, when you're not playing, when you're just not getting balls to his feet all the time, it's just ridiculous. And one of the points I've always made about Grigg is, and it's especially a big criticism of Parkinson, is at the start, I know I said I wouldn't mention him, but I'm a hypocrite. So at the start of the season, if you just remember in pre-season, he was doing quite well in terms yeah. of, and yes, you can say it's goals against Harrogate and Gateshead, but for me, that doesn't matter. Their goals are goals. It doesn't, the record books don't, sh- don't show 
goals, but they were against non-league teams, so they don't count. You know, he's, he's he was getting better in pre-season. He was looking sharper. And against Hull, if you can, if you and John remember that Hull game in the cup, we battered Hull. We absolutely battered them and should have yeah. won by about three, four goals. You had two goals scored. At least one of them should have stood. Arguably both of them, but at least one of them should have done. And I thought that was, and although it's not a standard. He hasn't really much to compare it to, but I did think by miles that was the best game I'd seen him play in a Sunderland shirt. But yes, because he did. didn't do anything against Bristol Rovers and only Maguire arguably stood out in that game because of the goal that he scored, he's dropped, which I don't get. There have been numerous yeah. times last year where Park, where White was doing absolutely nothing to merit a place in the team, but Parkinson kept picking him. And yeah. I just think for me, Grigg is the one striker we've got that should be capable, easily should be capable of scoring 15 to 20 goals a season. You know, someone tried to argue with me that um, the four seasons, the last four seasons he was in League One prior to joining Sunderland, I think he had something like 19 goals, 20, 21 goals, 25 yeah. goals, 19 goals, whatever it was. It was around the 20 goal mark. Now, there's something seriously wrong there. There's something seriously wrong if we're not getting the best out of him. So I wanted to work for Greg like you, but the longer it goes on, you know, but I mean, it's, against, against Wigan, he had nothing to work with. Um, yeah, you know, and even but but also at the same time, I can't get that miss against MK Dons out of my head. Where yeah. even even with the lack of game time, even with a lack of motivation, how are you? you should be scoring from two yards. Yeah, absolutely. So, no, I wanted I wanted to work as much as you do. Yeah. Um. Well, Wigan got the game underway, and from their kick off, they lost possession immediately, and from that point on, I think it's fair to say Sunderland dominated the game. Um, the opening fifteen minutes, especially. You know, it was forward passes. We were getting balls into the box, although some of them were going in a bit too early. Um, and some brave decisions in general. But, John, what did you make of the start of the game? Obviously, up until the defining factor. Uh, yeah, first, first of all, 15, 20 minutes. I thought we were limited, I think, which obviously tell throughout the whole game. Um, but yeah, the the energy levels from the first, you could tell. Obviously, there was a bit of a buzz, um, but then as soon as the goal came, it was just it was just a bit of desperation. Um, and obviously, we didn't really, even though we put those crosses in and had a few shots, we didn't really affect anything going forward. Yeah, well, Wigan did get the goal, and despite Sunderland's dominance, you know, a ball was played up to I think it was Kyle Joseph who who got the better of Barry Wright, and he's hammered the ball beyond Lee Burge, and I think it's. A fair way of putting it to say it was an uncharacteristic mistake from Bailey Wright, Michael. Would you say that's a fair way of putting it? Yeah, uh, I, w- I would say so. I think there has been a couple of occasions recently with Bailey Wright where I think Bailey Wright has, has um, uh, at least if not completely cost on goals, been at fault. If you look at Cameron Drum's header, MK Dons, as great a header as it was, I think he showed him too much room for the, uh, showed him too much to aim at. Um, mm-hmm. But that's maybe, maybe that one's nitpicky. Doncaster tries to chest clear it and then it's kind of similar with Wigan where he basically just tr- again tries the same thing just tries to control it miss hits it, it just misses it enough for, for them to score so but yeah it, don't get me wrong he is the best defender at the club but yeah he, he yeah. needs to step up I think he needs to step up and get back to what he was about two three months ago yeah and Kai as I say you know Sunderland dominated the game and you know, has that been a case for a lot of Wigan's games this season? Obviously, with as much respect to the club, obviously they're using youth players, they're going through a tough time. You know, you can't expect them to go out there and, you know, blow every team off the park. But is that a kind of theme that Wigan have been playing recently? You know, kind of sitting back, defending very well and then hoping to nick a goal on the counter? 
It has been uh, very similar to that. Uh, no, I don't think any game this season the opposition has quite dominated possession as Sunderland have. Uh, I feel like that is a good reflection of your team, at least. You had a lot mm. of the ball, probably more than any of our other opponents have. Um, and also, a, a really good credit to our players as well, who seemingly had to defend and defend and defend for the whole game um, and, and have done very well. Now, yeah. in every other game, I don't quite know what it was about this one. I, in every other game, we've had to defend an awful lot and we've defended well for long periods and then an individual mistake or a piece of brilliance by the opposition will undo us. And we're usually we're only losing games by one or two goals, you know. Um, we're not, like, conceding boatloads. However, you know, it is down to individual mistakes or just, you know, um, inexperience from players or such. Um, that has cost us. But, yeah, you, usually we are behind the ball an awful lot, defending an awful lot. And because of all that pressure, eventually something's got to give. And uh, we usually do concede a goal, which is why I was very surprised we didn't. We uh, Wigan fans on Twitter were playing the uh, equaliser bingo. You know, when, yeah. when, when's it going to come? It's going to come. When's it going to come? Kai, to be honest, whenever, whenever you're in a really bad rut, Sunderland's the perfect team to end that. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> It, just yeah. when we go down to your place, if you're in a similar bad run, I might put a bet on you to beat us just because it's so Sunderland. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, um, I, we, we do like to play on the counter. However, sometimes when we do get the ball for long periods, we can dominate possession. We've done that quite a few times this season. And it's just been the case of not getting what we deserve sometimes. And we'd go in at half time, maybe a goal down or, or nil-nil, and we'd feel like we should be winning the game and we didn't play particularly well. And then we'd come out the second half and play brilliantly. Um, yeah. Obviously, this time we played well both halves, but not in the, the way you would expect. Not by dominating possession, but by handling the domination. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of that comes down to John Sheridan, uh, the manager who, who's just gone to um, Swindon Town. Actually. Yeah, I say Swindon, yeah. Um, as soon as he's left, the players' confidence has shot up. Players have started playing better. Uh, our, our assistant manager, Richardson, or our manager, Liam Richardson, who was assistant manager to Paul Cook during his tenure, um, has been absolutely fantastic. He knows the, the players that are still here, the three or four players that are still here from last year. You know, he's brought our academy coach, who knows all the youth players, in as his assistant manager. Um, so he's, he's got them all playing for the shirt really well. Um, even when we lose, uh, most Wigan fans will still say, you know, well done, you're a credit to the team for even mm -hmm. playing during these hard times. Um, and that was something that was very uh, much said last towards the end of last season when we still had our full squad. We, When everybody left, we, um, we had no issue with it, no ill will towards them because during a time where, you know, they might not get their wages for a while and they were basically playing wageless and only getting percentages of it and their futures were unsure, they were still putting on the shirt, still playing, still getting results. And it was only through... A cruel point deduction, and even and an even crueler free kick for Fulham at last game of the season that we even went down. So I think mm -hmm. there's something about this club, this this the staff, the players that they all want to play, and um, you know they've all made it clear that regardless of what happens, they'll they'll do their best. And the fans couldn't ask for much more. So whether we're getting dominated games, whether we're playing really well, or whether we're dominating games, I think everyone is really proud of the boys and. Uh, as long as we get the win, we don't really care how we play. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, Lee Johnson was forced into an early change with uh, Denver Hume pulling up with what appeared to be a hamstring injury. And 
you know, whilst it's never good to see anyone, especially one player, pick up an injury, it's, it's a great opportunity for McFadden to stake his claim for place in the side, John. Uh, yeah, probably not not the worst thing to happen. Maybe Denver needs a little bit of time out of the team. Anyway, I wasn't that impressed with McFadden yesterday. He's very predictable. Um, yeah. But again, it's a, it's a new system. Obviously, we haven't had a chance to work on anything, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But yeah, nice experienced head back, a, a left back who can hopefully give the person in front, probably McGeady, you know, a bit of uh, protection so he can go and do his his thing, hopefully. Yeah. Well, half-time arrived at nil-nil and obviously Sunderland were on top but didn't create much. And, you know, I saw a lot of Wigan fans on Twitter saying that, obviously, despite Sunderland's dominance throughout the game, that they never actually felt worried about conceding. And, you know, a few stats from the game here were Sunderland had 72% possession and they had 16 shots with only three of those on target and nearly 600 passes, which was over double what Wigan had. And, Michael, how much of a worry is it that for a side chasing promotion, we're dominating the game, but we just don't look like scoring a goal? Well, it's massively concerning. Um, I think a lot of it is down to... The reason we tend to have a lot of possession is because once we give teams something to hold on to, they're happy to sit in. And that's fair enough. And Wigan were right to do that yesterday. And ultimately, it worked because it it, it, it got them three points. You know, they went... You couldn't expect them to just, you know, go open and leave gaps because we want them to get back in the game. So I think a lot of it is down to players take responsibility, though. I think if you notice that, we never seem to try and attack through the middle. I think it's because they're so ingrained with um, the previous tactics about going out wide all the time that we never seem to take responsibility. Every time we have a chance to shoot, and I, I'm, I'm usually someone that hates people shooting from ridiculous distances and angles because you never chance are you're not going to score. But there comes yeah. a point where you've got to just go for it. Um so, yeah, it, it is concerning. It's definitely concerning. Um, but hopefully, that's the, uh, what gives me hope there is that Lee Johnson has actually noticed a lot of the flaws that we've been talking about for ages and has noticed it for just 90 minutes. So, um, yeah. you know, hopefully that will be encouraging going forward. Yeah. Um, well, Johnson did make a few changes um, with just over 20 minutes to go to full time and something that we were crying out under Parkinson. But... You know, he never did. He'd leave the substitutions till the very last minute where there's there's no time to make an impact on the game. But Johnson did and Embleton and Danny Graham came on to replace Max Power and Will Grigg. And both subs that were made, I was a little surprised about. Um, not so much that they brought on Graham and Embleton, but more so that they brought off Power and Grigg. John, were you, were you surprised with the subs he made? Yeah, very surprised. Obviously, with the... We uh, Grig was very isolated. Um, so to put Danny Graham up there with him gives the Wigan back four, you know, something to think about. But mm-hmm. um, that didn't that didn't happen. Um, Embleton didn't really do anything. I thought I'm not the biggest fan of power at the moment, but I thought yesterday he was actually doing all right. He was getting down the wing. Um, he's playing on the right side for some reason, but he was getting down the wing and he was looking really energetic. And then we took him off and kept um, Scowen and Ledbetter who just slowed the play down so much and that was that probably played into Wigan's hands a bit they probably didn't need to you know go on the press because they knew that we'd slow our own attacks down whereas Power like I said I'm not his biggest fan but um, at least he was he was trying to do something um, so it didn't mm-hmm. it didn't really work for me yeah and our last substitution that was made was the one that saw Aidan McGeady off for Jack Diamond and he came on he made he made a slight difference obviously a bit of pace and the ability to beat the man but 
from what I know about Lee Johnson, he is someone that is willing to give youth an opportunity. And of course, with the appointment of Speakman, chances for youth players especially should, should hopefully be easier to come by. Michael, how much of a boost do you think this could be for the club going forward and you know looking forward in the future if if the youth players are going to get more game time? Well, it's definitely promising. Um, it's it's youth. It's more youthful energy. These players won't be as scared. Well, I wouldn't say scared. That's the wrong word. But I don't think that they'll be a bit more fearless. I'd think. Um, and going forward, Sunderland are going to have to. And and the reason I think we've gone into this sport and director model um, is to develop young players and sell them on for profits to try and make the club sustainable. Because obviously we haven't got parachute payments anymore. But to me, it makes sense. And I think the Johnson appointment would have probably been made with that in mind. So if they're going to be used more often, fair play to them. And hopefully they embrace the challenge and take the opportunity they've got with both hands. Yeah. And um, Well, the game did finish 1-0 to Wigan, of course. And it was a game that Wigan had one shot in 90 minutes. But it doesn't matter if you score your goal. If you score the shot you have, then you can win the game. And Kai, you've only won three all season. But I believe those three were against um, Doncaster... Portsmouth, I believe, and obviously Sunderland now. You know, how, how do you feel looking ahead at the rest of the season now? Uh, well, it's it's um, absolutely insane because we've we've come in and we've known we're going to struggle. We've known we're going to not be dominating teams and what have you. But it seems that he, regardless of what happens, regardless of what players we have, regardless of what year it is, regardless of what manager we have, we always do really well against the bigger teams. Doncaster, yeah. Portsmouth, Sunderland, all teams who are fighting for promotion, we've beat them. And then teams around us or just above us or even below us earlier on in the season, we've played poorly and lost. It's just the Wigan way to, to only do yeah. it against the big teams, um, at least when, when we're the ones struggling. When we're going for leagues and such, we just do it to everyone. Um, yeah. But for the rest of the season... You know, regardless of, of yesterday, I'm not too hopeful. Um, I think none of the results matter if we can't get uh, an owner at the end of the day. Because yeah. we could do really well final stretch of the season, stay up, brilliant. But then we don't get an owner and suddenly the club isn't here anymore next year. You know, um, which is a very real possibility that the club may not exist next year. So... While the results, it's great to be playing football. It's fantastic. We still have a club. It's fantastic. We have that we can field a team. It's brilliant that we can survive until the end of the year at least. Um, however, none of it will matter if we don't get an owner. So we're much more interested in off off the field actions right now. Much more interested in these bidders, the EFL. You know, hate them, but they 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 have to make the decision at the end of the day, um, and. While good results are nice, and I fight, I'm, I'm happy that we won, and I'm happy when we win. When we don't win, it doesn't really affect me anymore. My my love mm-hmm. for the game until my club is safe is is really diminished. Football isn't as enjoyable anymore. So when we lose games, I I'm like, ah, oh, that's 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 crap. But oh well, yeah. next, we we move next week. Um, so just as long as the players keep playing, as long as they keep doing us proud, and if we can pick up a few good results here and there. I'll be happy. I think everyone will be happy as long as we keep showing effort. But at the end of the day, if we can get an owner, we can move from there. Oh, drop me forward. Well, you do, why don't I? Um, we will look at some of the two-word descriptions that people sent in on Twitter following the game yesterday. Um, onwards and upwards, although that's three words, so that doesn't count. 
usual disappointment. Uh, Paul, who's obviously on the podcast quite a lot, said starting point. Andrew says rebuild commences. And Michael, do you think that's a fair way of putting it? Rebuild obviously commences. Obviously, a new manager and um, a sporting director, a new approach to the playing playing side of the of the club, and hopefully a takeover to to match up with it. Um, although obviously we don't know the details of it yet. Do you think a rebuild is a fair way of you know describing it and something to look forward to? Uh, yeah, I'd say. So. I think it's 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 all. We're also trying to move from a transition of play where we've been focused on defending to trying to go forward with purpose, power and pace and attack. So that is going to take time to be implemented in order for it to be to a, um, of a good standard. And obviously, yeah, I mean, I'm bored of the takeover stuff now, but um, I just wanted to say for Kai, I hope that we can get sorted because what's happened to, for them is, is an absolute travesty and should never have been allowed to have happened. So, yeah. sorry, Kai. Um, and I know, you're not, I know you say you haven't been... As optimistic, I really do hope you get sorted, mate. Really hope we can find we hope we can find the none of the fans deserve. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, mate. I really do. Um, I feel like we've had a lot of that from other um, supporter groups and supporters, which is is fantastic to see. Football have really united around us, um, and especially our own fans have really come out and, and supported. Raised almost a million pounds for the club, yeah. um, and it, it's just it. It's ridiculous that this has even been allowed to happen. Um, the, the, the takeover process seemed to be done under the table in about a month, and no one knew about it until it happened. And mm-hmm. midway through these guys' ownerships, the ownership was changed to someone else. And within three or four weeks of that guy coming into ownership, he, he puts it into administration and runs off. And, and yeah. no one hears from him until our fans dig up dirt on him, and he has to come out and make a statement. And then you've got the, the appeal against the points. And I think we're one of the only teams to lose a points appeal. Um, and it's r- ridiculous what happened. Because I understand the points appeal is to, to punish clubs who have benefited against financial fair play and things like this and benefited uh, by administration. But I don't see how that applies to us. We were forcefully put into this position by a man who doesn't care about the club, about, promised £10 million and, and never saw a penny of it. Um, and and we've still given the points deduction, still relegated, which hurts us even more. We've had our entire squad disassembled. We've had to um, let go a lot of the staff from the club, working class people in a working class town, um, who in a pandemic, no less. Um, yeah. The handling of it has been abysmal, and the fact that when when the admin administrators came and said we have agreed a deal for a Spanish group to come in and, and buy the club. I was so so happy, but I had I had tears in my eyes. I was ready to believe, but I said to myself, "I know the EFL; they will say no." And two months later, they say no, and I don't know why it took them two months. If they're not satisfied, why not say earlier? The handling of it has been nothing short of abysmal and just headless. And now, thanks. Yeah, it's ironic that I have to say thank you to them though for this almost four hundred grand bailout money they're sending to EFL clubs to, to keep them going uh, yeah. till the end of the season because um, without that we would definitely not exist by the by the new said to myself I know the EFL they will say no and two months point and now we're running out of time to save the club and I, all I have to say about that is the EFL are a disgrace and yeah. I hope no other club goes through it because Bury died on their watch Bolton almost died on their watch I hate Bolton but I wouldn't wish that on them 
and uh, and now we're almost dying on their watch. They've got enough blood on their hands, and I hope they don't get any more. Yeah, well said. Um, let's go through a couple more of the two words before we move on to player ratings. Colin said in transition. Alex said depressing AF. Although if you do make that into a non appreciation, that is three words. So that's another, <laughs> not two words. One. Jack says totally spineless. William says absolutely abysmal. Donald and Charlie, I wonder if that's the real one. Um, they say predictable disappointment. And last but not least, Anne says ever hopeful. But we will move on to the player ratings from yesterday's game. And obviously starting with Lee Burge, who started in goal. He had almost nothing to do throughout the whole game. Um, he had nothing, he, you know, there's nothing he could do with the goal. So for that reason, generic six out of ten. John, the sixes are back. Are they back for you? <laughs> no, we've uh, yeah, with Burge. Yeah, I went for a six. I thought he was he was pretty steady. Uh made one uh rushing rushing run that saved the defence. So yeah, a run of the move yeah. six, but there isn't many more. And Michael for you? Yeah, six, that that's fair. Um he was obviously you obviously didn't give a clean sheet, but that's not his fault and uh, I, I don't know why he was dropped in the first place. I really don't. Yeah. Um, Conor McLaughlin started as a right back and I've said for a long time now he doesn't suit the full back role. Um, you know, he has no pace, he has no mobility and his crossing is nothing short of embarrassing at times. Um, we know he gets no real power behind it, but defensively I thought he was okay at times. Um, but yeah, as a full back, I just don't think he suits the role. So five out of ten for me, John. Yeah, I echo everything you just said. Uh, five for me. Like you say, he's he's okay in defence, but you can't just be okay in defence anymore. You have to have a bit in your locker going forward, and he doesn't have that. Yeah. And Michael? Likewise, with the way the five rating, um, I've said before that I think that McLaughlin can, can suit a centre-back quite well when the emphasis is less on him to actually move forward. But as a full-back, he isn't good enough to play in that position for five. Yeah. Uh, Bernie Wright started alongside Tom Flanagan in the in the centre of the back four. And I think it's arguably his worst game in a Sunderland shirt. Obviously, he looked shaky throughout um, and it was his mistake that led to the goal from Thomas. So, four out of ten for me, for Bailey Wright, John? Uh, I've gone with five. But yeah, he was he was very poor and nothing drives me more insane than how deep he was. It was yes. There was such a gap between him and our midfield and there didn't need to be. Wigan was sitting back, they weren't pushing and he was so deep and I blame a lot of the performance on that for him and Flanagan. Yeah. Michael? I agree with you. I think it's a four. I think just ultimately the one thing you have to do uh, to help keep a clean sheet, because I think if we keep a clean sheet, we win the game. And he was messing about with it instead of clearing it. So, yeah, four. And Tom Flanagan obviously started alongside him. Um, and I think he was marginally more assured than, than being right in defence. But, Again, very average performance, didn't do much wrong, didn't do anything particularly right. So, given a slightly better rating than Bailey Wright, as he didn't actually make the mistake that led to the goal this week. So, a five out of ten for me, John. Yeah, I've gone with five. And he, the amount of time that he had time on the ball and he just struggles with a simple pass, it's, it cost us so much. So, yeah, five. And Michael? Likewise, five. Didn't make the mistake that led to the goal, but did, did nothing uh, really memorable either. Um, Denver Hume started as a left back, and like I say, he was took off fairly, uh, fairly early with a what appeared to be a hamstring injury. But up until that point, I thought he was very poor. Um, his crossing wasn't great, and that's the theme of Denver over the last few weeks. So 
up until the point where he's taken off, I've, I've given him a five out of ten as well, John. Yeah, I've gone with five. Yeah, he's he's very inconsistent, isn't he? And Michael, for you, Denver. Yeah, for you. the same rating from the two of you. Five has become the new six now, isn't it, John? I know it seems like. <laughs> <laughs> um, Grant Ledbetter obviously started in in the hold and midfield in the in the three for Sunderland, and as always, there was some neat and tidy play. Um, you know, he's released a good through ball to McGeady in the first half where. McGee's fired it in the left side netting, but he didn't offer much to the team in the nature that we needed. Um, he didn't contribute much to the attacks, but again, like I said last week, it's always difficult to give Grant Ledbetter a rating because he's never bad, but he's very rarely brilliant. So again, a six out of ten for me, John. Uh, I'll go with a five again. He was he was neat and tidy, but he just slows it down, and there's no yeah. there was no need to do half the stuff he needs to do turns back, pass it to Bailey Wright and we don't need that, especially from home. Do you know what I mean? I can live a bit away from home, but not when not when we're at home. Yeah, it's too it's too slow. Yeah. And Michael Field. I think uh, again again, yet another <laughs> um I think that it, it's like what John said, I think in certain games uh Ledbetter can have his uses, but I think that when you're up against bottom of the league side at home, you shouldn't have to be playing so deep and defensive. Yeah. And um, Max Power. It was a second of three midfielders for Sunderland yesterday and first half especially and um, you know for a lot of the game up until he was substituted he was insisting on passing backwards and sideways like we've said and it is infuriating because we know what he's capable of we know what he can do when he does get in the last final third he's you know he's one of our only players capable of hitting the target from distance but second half he did move further forward and offered a lot more to the team um, I know there was a few times he would overlap on the right wing and put a good few balls in the box but as a full performance I think it was about a 5 out of 10 for me John Yeah probably just slightly higher maybe a 5.5 for the second half he was pushed up um, yeah. and he looked a lot more energetic and that's where I think he needs to probably stay going forward but yeah probably 5.5 five Michael Are we doing half ratings now? We are just to be different. Oh, oh, okay. I'll just go five point two five then to be awkward. Uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go. I'll go five. Uh, I think it's. It, it's again. It is frustrating because I can. You can see it's evident when power goes forward what you can offer, but I just don't get it. I don't get why he doesn't do it more often, and I'm convinced it's down to system and tactics personally. Yeah. Um, Josh Scorn was the final midfielder for Sunderland yesterday, and he was busy. He was very busy, but his crossing was up there with. The worst I've ever seen for a long time, and I think you said it on Twitter, John. You know, we've we became kind of used to scoring, taking set pieces, and crossing the ball in because of uh, the game against Aston Villa's under 23s, where he's, I think he's took four or five corners and we scored them for them. Um, but since then, I think every single corner, every single cross has failed to get past the first man. But you know, he, like I said, he was busy, but he didn't offer too much to the side. So a four out of ten for me for Josh scoring yesterday, John. Yeah, I've gone for a four as well. I've, yeah, set pieces were dreadful, and I can't. After the a couple of dreadful ones, I think there were two in a row, two corners, and he hit the first man twice. I can't understand then why Maguire and even McGeady or Ledbetter are not taking him because he's not. Yeah. He's just not up to it. And and again in the system, he's not. I just don't think he's he's good enough in that system. In my goal view. Yeah. Four again. I can't. I can't disagree with that. I think that again, it wasn't just Scarlett. To be fair, but the crossing across everybody was dreadful. But yeah, it was. 
it, it infuriated me when we kept on not beating the first man from a set piece. And ultimately, that is down on Scowan. So, yeah, I can't disagree with either of you. Chris Maguire was the first of three attackers. And um, as has been the theme with him for this season, he offered absolutely nothing. Um, he lost the ball almost every time he received it. Most of his passes were misplaced or under-hit or over-hit. And again, his crossing was very, very poor. So, for me, Chris Maguire, a three out of ten. He gets my lowest rating from yesterday's game, John. Uh, I've gone for a four. Again, very poor. There was a few few times he, he laid the ball off. But, yeah, didn't really do anything. And I don't know what's happened to him. Obviously, he doesn't want to stay here and, and get a new deal because we haven't seen anything near what he's capable of. But hopefully, Johnson get the better out of him going forward. And Michael Field, Chris McGuire. Probably four, but only because I can remember a shot that he had that was blocked. That's literally the only thing he did that was remotely yeah. obnoxious. And he needs to book his ideas up if he actually wants to stay here longer because he's he's performed nowhere near to his capability so far this season. Yeah. Um, Aidan McGeady started on the other wing. Um, like I say, it was his first game in over, in over 13 months. And with that in mind, it was never going to be a 10 out of 10 performance. But I think he did fairly well with what he had. But Obviously, he missed a good chance in the first half after Ledbetter's played him through. So, I've given him a 5 slash 6 out of 10 for yesterday's game, John. Yeah, I've gone with a 5. It was a bit rusty. There's a few bits of quality. Um, he did get the ball away, which uh, nearly cost us. Um, yeah. But, yeah, 5. 5 for me. Michael, for you? So I probably would go a 6 because I did think he offered a bit more of a spark. But, ultimately, like you said, it's down to... Fitness, isn't it? And hopefully that will come in games upcoming. Yeah. And the last of the attackers and the last of the starting eleven was, of course, Will Grigg, who I seen someone on Twitter that I had a, I'd say an argument, it was more of a debate with, who claimed he was the worst player on the pitch yesterday. And I think that was just ludicrous to say because, as we've said earlier, he had no service whatsoever. Um, you know, there was some neat play on the wing when we got the ball on there. I'm not sure why he was there, but. You know, his passing was okay, his hold-up play was okay. There was once where he lost the ball holding onto it a bit too much, where I think it was Maguire he could have released, but he didn't. But with what he had, I don't think he could have done much more. So I've given him a 6 out of 10 for me, John. Uh, I've gone with a 4. I think he was... I think he was poised. His, his hold-up play was okay, but we don't we don't need him to hold, hold the ball up because once he did that, there was no one in the box because the first thing to do when he does hold the ball up and lays it off we then whip it in. Literally no one in there. Um, but I probably blame the system a little bit. Um, and he was unlucky to come off. But again, I think it's I think it's him and the system and the tactics that are not. It's just not working for him at the moment. Yeah. Michael Field. So I probably agree with John that I would go with a four, but I don't. And but I'm going to contradict myself here. That is, I don't put much blame whatsoever on Will Grigg for that. It's just that we didn't give him anything to work with. So a four, mm. but only because he couldn't really have done anything. And like we did last week, John, I'm putting you on the spot if you can. Man of the match, if you could pick one. Um, it probably sounds really bad, but I actually went with power because he looked like the only one who, who could get things going for 10 minutes in the second half, which doesn't say a lot, does it, about the rest of them. So, yeah, I've no. gone for power. And Michael Few, if you had to pick one. Steve, for me, I'd say McGeady. I think what John mm -hmm. just said about power, I thought that was McGeady in the first half. I thought McGeady was one of the only ones that was actually attempting to get things going. And again, hopefully with fitness, that will it, he'll get better and improve it. Yeah. And Kai, for you, was there any Sundown players 
Obviously, it wasn't a great performance from Sunderland, especially in the final third. But is there any Sunderland players that stood out to you as a yeah? What's the word? Can't think of the man word. Of the match. As a man of the match for Sunderland, I'll go for that. Well, um, I'm not entirely sure. I wasn't really focused on on our on on the Sunderland's performance too much. I was I was much more interested in how our players were doing, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. However. You know, you when when you've got players like Ian McGeady on the pitch, you've got to be wary. You know the quality that they've they've had in the past, and that they could still have. Um, obviously, Wigan fans on Twitter were were just betting, like saying it's just going to happen that either Power or Grigg are going to score. Because yeah. ex players, it always seems to happen to us. Um, we were thankful when they got taken off, but then Danny Graham came on, and he always scores against us. So again, we were worried. I could have told you before in the game, Danny Graham would not be scoring against you. <laughs> yeah, well, no, that's what you were worried about, Kai. He's been woeful for us recently. Well, good. That's good for us then. Um, <laughs> honestly, I, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. I suppose if I if I had to say one player who I thought had a bigger impact on the game, I'd probably say uh, Power, purely mm-hmm. because I feel like. I think you've maybe said it yourselves. He didn't do anything particularly wrong and he was passing the ball very well. It's just, it bugs me as much as it bugs you sideways and backwards passing. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's necessary to, to build a good move. But against a team that was sitting back like us, I'm not really sure it's the way you need to go. But even still, I thought he was good enough on the ball that he, you know, did it for me. Yeah. Well, our next game is, of course, on Tuesday night. Against Oldham in the in the pizza trophy, as Michael likes to call it. <laughs> um, obviously, it'll be. I'd like to think Lee Johnson will have taken a training session by then, so players will have a bit more of an idea of how he wants them to play, and you know the certain um, characteristics that he's looking for in the team. But again, it's a chance for the likes of Dan Neal and hopefully Mitchell Kerry, who I've mentioned a lot. Um, hopefully, he gets a chance. But predictions for that one, John. We'll start with you. Um. It's it. I I don't I don't want it to be. It's it seems like an important game, but I don't think it is. I think we should we should definitely use it as if it's a pre like a preseason friendly for Johnson. I'm not really too fussed um, about the result um, if we can see that there's some sort of plan in there and, be, and players are getting a chance. Hopefully, he's taking a, a training session maybe today and obviously tomorrow, and then we'll. I'm not quite sure he's going to use. Um, some of the youngsters that uh, you've mentioned, because um, I think he's just going to go with with what we've got at the minute. But um, I'm not really too fussed about the result. Hopefully, just a a two nil two nil win. But again, the result doesn't matter to me as long as we can see something like building. And Michael, for you, a prediction for Sunderland versus Oldham. Um, I'd probably go three one to Sunderland. Um, I think, like like John said, I'm not. I'm not. If put it this way, it, w- it would be nice. You obviously want to win most games, but I think I, I would. I don't. I think it's fair to say we wouldn't particularly lose sleep if we lost it. Went out with this competition. What I want to see is is a good blend. Obviously, I have a couple of the youngsters playing this game, but I want enough of the first team to play so that we can try a different tactic and different system. But if it doesn't come off first time, there's no pressure on this game. I know that probably mm-hmm. uh, doesn't make any sense, but I think if you're playing enough of the first team. And say, right, this is how I want you to play. Just go out and express yourselves. It's a game that where there's nothing really riding on it. And then hopefully we'll get a bit more of an idea. The players will get a bit more of an idea of what it's like to play Johnson's tactics in a game. Mm. A bit more by the time we're playing Lincoln, which is obviously 10 times more important. Yeah. 
And Kai, last but not least, obviously, I think Wigan's next game is on Saturday, uh, I believe, against Aquinton and Stanley. What are your predictions for that one? Um, well, I, I honestly, I don't think my predictions would be worth a lot because I think most people would have predicted us to lose yesterday's game. Um, mm-hmm. I, saw, I saw a lot of four nils going around from from Wigan. Yeah. Um, good God! That tells you how bad it was yesterday. Yeah. Well, just very quickly, um, you know how you say you turn up against the big big teams. Apart from when we go to your place, can you do that against everybody else up there for the rest of the season? That'd be great. Thanks. We'll, we'll certainly do our best. We'll certainly do our best. And I was yeah, thinking thanks, when, man. <laughs> when you were talking about your next game against Oldham. I do hope you batter them because um, you know we we've got a little thing against. It's Oldham Athletic versus Wigan Athletic. Which one's the real Latics? Yeah. Um, for the record, time, probably you uh, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're, they're older. I'll admit they're an older club, but I still think we're the, the, the true better ones. Last time we played and we battered and made most of their fans leave early. So, um, hopefully, you you lot can, can do them in as well. And if you do, well, I'll celebrate with a Papa John's myself. Well, we'll bear that in mind when we're playing them then. <laughs> <laughs> we will see. That is all we have time for today. John, Michael, Kai, appreciate you joining me. No problem. Thank you very much. Um, Thank you very much. We, we will be back again this time next week to discuss the game against Lincoln City. I believe it is on Saturday. Obviously another very tough game. Um, and, you know, the first real test for Lee Johnson. But until then, we will see you later. <laughs>